The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. everybody and welcome to the Hartford Small Biz Ahead podcast. My name is Gene Marks. Uh, Elizabeth is taking the day off. You know, Steve Steve Jones is my guest today. He's the CMO of commercial at small, small commercial here at the Hartford. And um, Steve, it looks like uh, Elizabeth is slacking. She's taking a few days off. We're going to have to have a talk I'm with her. Not at all surprised. Yeah, not at all it's surprised. Sort of her right? You see, we know her well. So none of this is, in, this is not news to us. Uh, no, we're looking forward to Elizabeth coming back soon. And we're also looking forward to our talk, which uh, this episode, uh, we're going to be talking about cash flow in your small business and some tips and some thoughts on how to improve it and, and things to do that you can increase your cash flow. So uh, look forward for you joining us. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, The Hartford, and we'll be back in a minute. This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back. For over 1 million small business customers, check out The Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. Hello and welcome back. So Steve, uh, I'm glad to have you here with me again. Steve Jones is the Chief Marketing Officer, Small Commercial at the Hartford. Steve, you deal with hundreds, no, a million small businesses here at the Hartford. And I'm sure you see plenty. Look, look, it's in your vested interest that your customers have good cash flow because you want them to stay customers for a long time. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure you and your agents find yourself in, in positions where you can, you know, give advice or make some, you know, uh, chime in on some things that might help business owners with cash flow. And you've seen uh, businesses that have done a good job and, and maybe not so good job. So um, I'm going to throw out like a few topics related to cash flow, and I'm just curious to hear your um, some your thoughts on that. So um, the first has to do with um, collecting receivables for a business. Okay, and uh, you told me in a previous episode that your wife is a small business owner, so I'm sure she deals with some uh, receivables, interests as well, you know, issues as well. Um, give me some of your thoughts on collecting receivables. First of all, as you would imagine, you talk to a lot of uh, small business owners. They're all over the place. Yes. There's, there's a whole continuum of how they approach these things. From I the, like the people that like do the work and right. then they don't bill for like 90 days right. later or something, it's right? It's a great yeah. example. I, I, I have one of those. <laughs> you kind of have these folks who sort of wing it. Yeah. And then you have the highly, highly regimented, technology-driven um, receivables types. And I'd like to say that I would probably be one of those highly regimented, but I would not be. I would probably be one of those oh, goodness. wing it types. And it is a massive mistake. Mm. Um, some people can juggle it and and make it work. But if you're not on top of it and just in thinking about how you get your billing out, how you get your money in, it is the reason you're in business. Right. The horror stories that I've heard across the board um, are, are awful. But here's the, the other side of that. There's an anxiety that's created in the kind of wing it receivables and the wing it billing type on the customer's side. And it sends a fairly bad signal. And I've heard this too, because I talk to customers of small businesses and small businesses to a customer who sort of feels like I don't have a lot of faith in the services being provided because I don't feel like I'm paying for them the way I should be. Mm. 
And if they can't sort of stay on top of that and I'm having to chase them to pay them, what are they doing with my business? It really does call into question the operations of your own business and customers look at that stuff. And I would say these days, there are so many systems and software and right. apps that can help you with this. And I'm not just talking about sort of point of sale systems, but just accounting systems and bookkeeping systems that are really good and pretty intuitive. And depending on, on what you want them for, can cover an awful lot of your business that you really need to, to plug into one. Um, thoughts on credit cards in your business? Yeah, so I, they're expensive. They're, they're expensive, and it's a, it's a, the expense is something that even the Hartford has to deal with when you yeah. think about how we, we um, do billing. And it is, but I'll, I'll tell you, I think that the, the science is pretty um, specific, that allowing credit cards in your store actually does increase sales and customers. And I think for most businesses, it sort of makes sense to do it. And I think also these days there are integrated uh, point of sale systems and, and front end systems, merchant systems that um, can actually make running your business easier and, and allowing credit cards is just one part of that. Yeah, I've, I've a lot of thoughts on credit card. We've talked about Elizabeth and I in the past, uh, some of my pet peeves about credit cards, but uh, it is expensive for a business, but uh, it's not necessarily you have to take it for all. I mean, you know, in my business, we, um, you know, we will accept credit cards, but for any bills over a thousand bucks, we actually charge an additional fee, you know? So, and that's not uncommon, you know, nope, not people, at all. people do that as well. So it's just, it's, it's another thing to consider. How about outsourcing your collections? Um, you talked about, uh, you, you know, you, you get into, you know, these collecting receivables. Some people take it more seriously than others. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah. And let's think for a second about, you know, when we're talking small commercial here at the Hartford, we're talking Pretty small businesses. Mm. If you're out here listening and you think kind of the Hartford's too big for me, we're not. Um, we really do focus on very small, oftentimes under 10 employees, five, under five employees, no employees. Really, really small businesses. Right. Depending on how big you are is going to depend on can you handle sort of the collections area yourself. And two things on this that I've heard small business owners talk about. There is a preference to outsource it despite the fees that it takes for two reasons. One, I don't have time. Right. Two, I don't have the temperament. Right. And That's me. That would be me. Yeah. Um, and you're either going to let that money go because you don't have the temperament or the time. Right. Or you can outsource it. One caution that I'd throw out even on outsourcing it, it's still a representation of you, your company, your brand. There are a lot of bad stories about the way people go about collecting that ultimately sort of reflects poorly on you. But as a business person, if you do not value your time, and if you do not respect what it means to get paid, you're not going to be in business long. And you have a right to collect what's due to you. And I think that often means outsourcing collection. You know, you talk about temperament. It, for me, it was it was emotional. You know, you do the work and you bill it and then the person's not paying. And ever since I outsourced that, I have my bookkeeper do all that for me. I'm get focused on what I do, what I do best. Yeah. We were talking earlier before the show um, and I, I was not, I was kind of not understanding that what the point was. A lot of times with me. <laughs> well, the, the, the not understanding part came from about insurance actually. So this is your job. And um, you had mentioned about insurance being able to help people 
save money or improve their cash flow. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, so right now everyone's rolling their eyes listening to this. Are these insurance companies going to tell me how insurance saves me money? I'm fascinated to hear this. Right. Carry on. No, there really are two reasons. Um, I'll give one that's kind of more the mission, if I can say that about insurance. Okay. And it really is supposed to be there. If you're self-insuring and something happens, the scope of that can be massive and enough to actually put you out of business. And it happens with enough frequency that you need to think about what insurance can offer. And one of the underlooked parts, I think, especially of business insurance, even small business insurance, is sort of the business income side of it. There's an aspect of some small business insurance policies that most people don't think about. If something happens that causes your business to have to shut down, either something on premises or off in many cases, say the power is out, but mm. it's caused by something outside of your, your business. Some policies will allow you to be protected for the income that you lose during that time. There's no other way that you're going to get that. And that kind of thing happens with a lot of frequency. Sure. The idea of your place burning down or you being robbed blind might not feel like that ever happens. Trust me, it does. <laughs> but there are a lot of occurrences that, that take place that, that would put you in a position to kind of lose some of your business income. And that's one of the most important things. The second one, and this is the part where nobody should roll their eyes on the insurance guy, please, I'm begging you not to. <laughs> We're not on video. It's okay. okay you good. can't see me. <laughs> but if you have workers' comp, so if you have employees, and in most states, you got to have workers' compensation insurance, a company like the Hartford offers something that's called payroll billing. And it is a way to manage your cash flow as what happens with workers' compensation insurance. I'm going to try and get through this in 20 seconds because everyone's hitting fast forward. But what <laughs> happens with workers' compensation insurance is every year, every insurance company performs an audit right. to be sure, did you have the right number of employees that we were insuring? And then you got to true it up. The way a payroll billing works is you don't put a down payment down and it's actually real time collecting um, off of your payroll system. So instead of like comp. making an estimate paying it in, so, and that's the cash that's going out, um, and then not finding out until a year later whether that estimate was right or wrong, uh, this is like a real-time, just every, so it's, it's, it is right every single time. It's right every time, and hmm. that means that your cash flow isn't spiking. <clears throat> it is a smooth experience, and it saves you time. And most of your payroll systems, your payroll software companies, um, can offer it um, via an insurance product, like something the Hartford has. So, that's my insurance pitch about how it saves you money. It actually makes cash. a lot of sense. And if you just remember the payroll billing, just ask your agent about it. Right. It's really, really, I cannot, I, if I were to tell you the number of people who don't use it is mind-boggling. Fine. Well, at, at risk of losing the last three people that are listening right, to this podcast right now. now. We're going to talk no, about but food. I was actually going <laughs> to, I was actually going to add though, it's not mm -hmm. unlike um, the whole tax refund argument where people, right, they pay in their estimates and it's based on an estimate and then they, they have to wait an entire year to find out that we underpaid or overpaid and right. uh, why even have to go through that if you can just, you know, have a system where get the, the right amount gets paid in. Right. Um, so that's important. Okay, good. Cash flow, we're still on this topic now. Uh, we've talked about collecting receivables and, and your, your customers. We've talked about using insurance to actually help manage your cash flow better. Um, let's talk about suppliers, okay? So um, as a... Uh, as, as when you hear small business owners, um, they, they like to extend payments with suppliers or go to their suppliers for financings. 
or uh, you know they they try to negotiate you know different terms. What what are your thoughts on using suppliers to help your cash flow? Yeah, so um, you know I've heard both sides of this, um, and I've heard you know the good and the bad from both. I do feel like it tends to be a little bit more business specific for what kinds of suppliers it makes sense to do that. You know, it always comes down to this. Your reliance on your supplier for whatever it is that you're you're getting is something that is largely out of your control. Mm-hmm. And the sort of financing arrangements that can come from there can be just as tricky in my experience in listening to small business owners talk about it. I believe that um, there are a lot of good financing options that are out there mm-hmm. that are probably better than looking up the sort of supply chain uh, to get them. I've just heard a lot of bad stories. Fair enough. Um, and your bankers, is it important to have a bank if you're a business? Does your, your, your wife's a business owner. Right. Does she, how many, we never, I, I, we were talking about this in a previous episode, but how big is it if I can ask, like how many employees or? She's well? got uh, eight employees. Okay, perfect. Because you know, I've got 10. So yep. it's a, uh, does she have a relationship with a bank or does she not need one? She does have a relationship with, with a bank. And, you know, when you think about for her, the type of business she's in, she's not relying on inventory or suppliers in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. But those folks that she works with, the bank is very important um, in how she manages her her total business. Mm-hmm. The bank, for her, is a partner in that. And the systems that they offer for her to sort of understand how her business is doing and how she links it to her bookkeeping is critical. Mm-hmm. So she has a relationship, and I would say the order of importance of my wife's relationships related to her business goes probably something like this. Her bookkeeper, number one. Number one priority person. Absolute number one, true partner, and um, just wholly and fully um, reliant. Is her bookkeeper an employee or an outside? Outside. Outside person. Outside. And does this bookkeeper provide her with reports? Correct. Every month, every week, every day? Weekly. Weekly. And, um, and it's the most critical thing she's got. Yeah. I get a weekly cash report. So we call it a flash report and uh, you know, we do it weekly and it's showing cash receivables, payables and backlog. And I I'm, I get it Monday morning, and I'm like I wake up wake, waiting for that to come from my bookkeeper. That's, right, that's how my wife works through it. And yeah. to her, I need to meet her. Right, <laughs> but it's for her. It is about her cash flow and monitoring what's yes. happening and what she can afford next. Yes, um, and that's why it's so important to her. And her this business for her is just a couple years old. It's very healthy. And she has a lot of things she wants to do, and she's waiting for certain triggers to, to do that. And that cash flow view mm. is the most important. Her second most important relationship is her accountant. Different than the bookkeeper, mm-hmm. um, but her accountant is the second. I like this woman. Right. Okay. And then for after that, it's probably her employer attorney. Got it. Um, those things start to matter. And then, so you're not even in the top four. I Doubt I'm in the top 20. <laughs> I'd like to think that I am, but no, not so much. But for her, the relationship she has with her bank, this is what she wants from them. She does get some advice from them, which is important, but she really relies on her bookkeeper mostly for those things. It is the stability of the systems that she works with and her ability to access and move cash around. That's what she values in that relationship. Got it. That is less a person and more the institution itself. Got it. Now you're not a small business owner, but you, uh, you know, you're you're uh, you're an executive that manages a department of people. You have a budget, 
that I'm assuming you um, have to adhere to it. So um, you are managing cash. How do you manage your cash in your department? Two things. One, I have a person in my department that I rely on more than myself. I think one of the great skills that everybody should have is what am I honestly, truly good at? Right. And what am I honestly, truly not? You know, I did not to interrupt you, but it is, and I don't even want to hear it from people saying they can't afford somebody or they don't have the, it is, it's almost life or death. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. If you are honestly, truly good at it. Yeah. And you can make it work and still do all the things you should, you should do it. Yeah. If you're honestly, truly not good at something, I have to work to be better all the time at a bunch of things, but I recognize, especially as it comes to managing my budget, I'm all over it. Yeah. But I have a person that I rely on in my department that is just like the Monday morning report for yep. you. Yep. That is my, and as long as he's got his eye on it, I know that things are going well. There is no weakness in understanding that some things you have to rely on others to do. And if you cannot trust yourself and trust your people to give those things up, you will burst into flames. What is, do you get a Monday morning report or the equivalent of I a weekly? I get an equivalent of a weekly and then a monthly thorough review. And that is showing what your budget is and what's right. been spent under that budget. Right. Do you have, because uh, a lot of business owners don't do this, and I think it's important at any level, do you forecast? I do. So you've got a budget, right. but then you've got a forecast. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. And like, you know, you think about it across the board for our, our business, forecasting is, like I say, I'm a marketer. In a lot of ways, I'm probably a forecaster. Hmm. Um, and you're either trying to forecast what the business is going to do, what you're going to get from it, or you are forecasting or outlooking, we call it, what your budget's going to do. Mm -hmm. So what is my spending um, and where do I think it's going to go? Mm -hmm. We have a pretty detailed um, process for that. And we have a financial um, controls group who does drives most of that process. Mm -hmm. And we have to adhere to it. I'm a small business owner. I may not have that. But the practice of relying on systems and software that exist to monitor your cash flows, relying on the experts around you, your bookkeeper or your accountant, to be sure those things are healthy so that you truly understand where you stand as a business is just as important. Right. You do not have a financial controls department, but you can get yourself the systems and software and the people around you can help you do it. It's critical. I couldn't run my department without it. I wouldn't be employed very long. And understanding the health of your business as a small business owner has got to be the most important thing. You probably didn't go to school for it. Don't mess around with it. Lots of systems that can help you and lots of people around you you can rely on. Do you have much financial background yourself uh, as a marketer? So I went to a state school <laughs> and got a journalism degree. Oh, wow. Um, I took a statistics course. Okay. Um, C minus for me. Right. I, I think that's probably what I got. Yeah. I use numbers now every day. Here's my, the first out-of-college job I had required me to be better with numbers. Um, uh, maybe I had claimed to be pretty good and it required me to be as good as I claimed to be. Does that make sense? I stretched the truth about yeah. my mathematical acumen right. and got a job, but it required me to learn a lot. And I still use that every day. Right. All of the numbers that I use, which if I look back on my journalism upbringing and my um, musical theater upbringing, I'd be stunned to know now what I can do um, and how reliant I am sure. on numbers more than anything. I think it's telling that even at this company, like uh, Kathy Bromage is mm -hmm. your chief marketing officer, right? right? Is she's a, she's a CPA, 
Right. And it says a lot that even in the, this is marketers, let alone a business owner, right. um, you have to know your numbers. Do you get surprised very often at your budget and your forecast or is it not that often? No, I'd say there's always something. Yeah. It, maybe not at the weekly review, but it's sort of the monthly deep dives. There's always something where I'm like, that doesn't make what? sense. Or what happened here? And then you got to kind of figure it out. And is it something that's just being misreported or did it not get picked up? Mm. There's always a mystery to unravel. And, you know, a basic understanding of math, you got to have it mm -hmm. to be able to kind of uh, forensically figure out what the heck is wrong with the numbers you're looking at all the time, all the time. But it, it says a couple of things. You're familiar as a small business owner with your the thing, the good or service that you produce. Right. And you can tell if it's off by a millimeter. Right. And if you're not as comfortable with understanding the health of your business to that same degree, you got to get yourself some help because you should be able to look at it. I'm a journalism degree guy, but when I look at my budget and it's off by a little bit, it reads like sheet music to me. When right. I look at it, I can see it. Right. And if you're not feeling that with your own business numbers and you're not relying on somebody else to read the sheet music for you, you better, you better get on it. Yeah, the smartest business owners I know, Steve, are uh, you can't eliminate surprises. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to managing your cash, it's uh, you forecast, uh, you budget where you can so that you know what's going to happen at least in the next 60 to 90, 120 right. days. Um, otherwise, you can get into trouble if, if things sneak up on you. No doubt. Steve, thank you very much. This is Steve Jones, uh, Chief Marketing Officer, Small Commercial at The Hartford. Uh, you've been listening to Small Biz Ahead Podcast. My name is Gene Marks. We hope you have enjoyed the conversation, and we hope that you increase your cash flow very much so. Speak to you soon. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Gene for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead Podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.